0: I didn't even know there was a thing called modern day slavery i thought slavery was something from 100 odd years ago so so now i'm going to shock
1: you last year there were about thirteen thousand victims found in the uk at any one time in the uk there are at least a hundred thousand victims of slavery uk nationals make up a third of all the victims uk nationals uk nationals so it isn't just people coming from eastern europe you know we have seen over a hundred different nationalities found as victims of exploitation in the uk and a third of that british of them are british
0: you are joking me no and globally
1: the latest estimates and it's a conservative figure say that at least 50 million people are held in situations of slavery and we would say it's an illicit commodity trade that is worth about a half a trillion dollars profit per annum
0: Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast, I'm your host Dodge and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube where we've now had over 40 million views. I've had many eye-opening conversations on this podcast over the years, but this episode has changed the way I look at the modern world forever. Andrew Wallace is CEO of Unseen, a UK-based organisation fighting against the global epidemic of modern-day slavery and human trafficking. Andrew shares his inspiring journey of starting Unseen and outlines the challenges facing the fight against these atrocities that are happening right here in every major town and city in the UK. The extent of the problem is shocking, And the details are horrific, but Andrew's passion and commitment to making a difference in this world is truly inspiring. This is the eventful life of Mr. Andrew Wallace, OBE. Andrew, welcome to the show. Lovely to be here. Um, Thanks for making the effort to come all the way down from Bristol. It was a bit of a trek, but it's <laughs> the sunshine is here. I left good. it left in rain, and now it's sunshine. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up, and how did you get into the world of trying to prevent modern-day slavery? How long have we got? Um, where did I grow up? By
1: age 11, I'd lived in 13 different places, um, mainly overseas. My dad was a vicar, so um, ended up living in Singapore, then South Korea, um, and then came home to the uk age seven Mm. um so i'm what i'm now sort of technically called an adult third culture kid Mm. um so i'm strangely at home in airports um (laughs) is the way i like to describe (laughs) it or or the other way of describing it is look wherever i am i'm at home yeah um so um you know i love travel i love going to visit new places um and i just feel perfectly at home so Mm. i don't have that oh i wish i could you know yeah um you know and i don't desperately need a cup of tea mm. <laughs> when i'm in a country where you can't get a cup of tea uh, around that and then i, I grew up in 7x and kent that's where i did my secondary school and then went to university then i started work uh in retail management so mm. worked for Marks and spencer joined their graduate program um and then from there went to london electricity that had just privatized um and from there then i had a complete switcheroo and i went and worked for a church mm. for a bit um in london and then moved to bristol still working for the church and then i went back into retail management uh some project management management consultancy work in the university sector and then as part of working for the church came across this issue of trafficking
0: so trafficking you're talking about human trafficking human trafficking and how old were you when you came across this issue roughly
1: uh 2007 so what was that 15 years ago okay 40. okay um so you know i'd had a career you know in public sector private sector yeah. faith sector uh consultancy sector um and then it ran into this issue yeah. um and it was a colleague of mine that was actually in ukraine at the time and stopped somebody being trafficked and ended up buying them off their trafficker
0: you're joking me no mm.
1: so that story came back and i I've, I've been to ukraine previously and back then it was fairly wild west Uh, but this kind of took it to the next level Mm. and I was like I was intrigued Mm. I was kind of like okay that's an interesting story and then three months later um a friend of mine who was a teacher uh, she had spent her summers also coincidentally working in Ukraine trying to deal with the social orphan problem and trying to help those orphans what we call social orphans sort of not only um, survive in the orphanages but trying to work out how how to transition them from age 16 when they get turfed out of the orphanages to make it into university and have better life chances and everything else Uh, and came across the issue of actually these kids would leave the orphanages and parked outside the orphanages were the traffickers these kids would get into the back of a car drive off and disappear and back then and in the early 1990s and 2000s i know now something like 400,000 people disappeared from ukraine women and children primarily vast majority into trafficking situations so these two stories came across my desk and, and it's it, it piqued my interest because i think as most people growing up in this country we thought well the transatlantic slave trade died hundreds you know, of years hundreds ago. of years ago That's what so, I thought, so, yeah. so, so what is this yeah this phenomena and then the thing that sort of helped me knit it all together in, in my brain in whatever way my brain mm. works was i ended up reading an article that was talking about um trafficking and it was then about trafficking for sexual exploitation from eastern europe to the us and they used to use the regional airports in the uk in order to avoid detection at the major hubs you know the heathrows the Gatwick's, yeah. the frankfurts yeah and one of the airports that was named was bristol where i live mm. so oh hang on story from a colleague story from a friend now this article because we did a lot of work around social justice and working with the poor uh, and the marginalized um i suppose i had a level of access and i just wrote what i thought was normal to all the bristol mps every single member of the council and the chief constable going is there a problem if there is a problem <laughs> how can we help um and what are you doing about it mm. and to cut You know a very long story short that ultimately led to a call from a senior police officer I don't remember giving them my telephone number but Mm -hmm. somehow they got my telephone number um, inviting himself to coffee Um, and he came I remember uh, and I'll always remember he walked into my office shut the door and said right this conversation is off the record and then really for the next three hours just peeled a layer off the city and because he was senior enough a layer off the country Um, And he was frustrated as a cop, because he was trying to arrest the bad people. Um, And back then, this is sort of 2007, um, where the the narrative was mainly around trafficking for sexual exploitation. They would bust illegal brothels. They would know that the women in there were victims, but the only thing they could do was arrest them. Stick them in a hotel and B&B overnight. They would disappear. And he knew that they went straight back to their traffickers, and he was frustrated that because they weren't being supported they wouldn't reveal who their exploiters were he couldn't go after the bad guys and the end of that long conversation where you know you go from your jaws on the floor because mm. you just didn't realize this side of society existed yeah. to becoming more sort of infuriated that you know the, the system was so crap mm. he said to me look any idiot can write a letter." I went. Yeah, well, I've done that. He said, "Well, you can retire happy yeah. because everybody's trying to, you know, flat round trying to answer your questions, and nobody quite knows the answers to the questions. Um, but what are you actually going to do about it?" And for some reason, I immediately responded. I said, "Well, what do you need?" Mm. That was my first mistake. Mm. And he said, I, ne- "I need, I need safe. I need a safe house. Yeah. I need to be able to put these victims somewhere safe, where they're cared for, where others uh, look after them, because that's not." policing skill set yeah. it's not our job yeah. um, so that we can earn their trust so that they can then tell us what's happened to them so that we can then go after the bad guys and i said okay i'll do that on one condition you're my first trustee because at this point you know more than yeah. me um and we agreed and we shook on it i mean that was literally how unseen okay. started it was kind of like being sort of slammed into a brick wall mm. of reality And then and i I suppose if i look back on my life i've always been concerned about social justice issues you know wherever i've worked and it was just like the injustice of it Mm. um, that i think just compelled me to go all right do it um and because he was senior enough he was able then to get me into the home office and what was then the serious crime agency uh and just very quickly realized that there wasn't really a response uh, to this issue it was very very fragmented everybody Mm. was working against each other um and then uh my friend this this teacher um kate i just said to her, look do you want to come and, and try and do this um w- we both acknowledge there's an issue um we both want to do something about it we haven't got any any money yeah <laughs> um this police officer is our first trustee yeah. it, it's the three of us yeah. <laughs> Shall we do it? <laughs> i mean it's just like you know it, it, it's a big sell isn't yeah. it um and I mean, thankfully, she had reached that point where she didn't want to teach anymore. And she said, look, I'll give you three, four months because I'm just going to work yeah. out what i want to do with, with the rest of my life. Um, and so we just we started asking people you know, um, to help and support us. Um, and I mean, at the 11th hour, at, I mean, literally 11.59, it was uh, comic Relief that believed that in, in what we wanted to do. And they gave us a big grant, which meant we could Brilliant. start the first safe house. And, and it went from there but we never wanted to be an organization that was just a safety net for people, yeah. because that's kind of like accepting bad things happen to yeah. people. So we always said from the get-go, we want to you know, care for victims, because mm. that's the immediate need, but we want to turn the tap off. Mm. Um, and, and so from, from day one, that we were doing those, those
0: things simultaneously, mm. and the organization's grown and developed over the years. So you say you wanted to care for victims, victims who are working sex workers and then you're trying to bring them into a safe house where you're trying to get information out of them on who they're being pimped out by. So um, I think the first thing is if you're a victim
1: of trafficking for sexual exploitation, yeah, you don't you're not choosing to go into the sex trade. Yeah. Are you forced? You're forced into it? Yeah. So the, the definition of trafficking is the recruitment by deception, yeah uh, movement for the purposes of exploitation. Okay. And a movement could be from one side of the street to the other, so yeah. it isn't just an international border. Um, and so, most of the, back then, most of the victims that were in trafficking for sexual exploitation were not prostitutes. Yeah, You'll have to listen to this after the 9 p.m. watershed. But, you know, if, if you are forced to have sex against your will, yeah. that's statutory rape. Yeah, And, and that's the reality for, for these right. the, these women so they weren't choosing to do it now there are people that are in the sex trade that are exploited that end up in a trafficking situation there are people that that can be trafficked who know that they're going into the sex trade but what they haven't agreed to is the level of exploitation yeah and and the critical thing is and they're not free to leave it but they're under threat and violence and coercion yeah Uh, in in that whole process Um, but trafficking is much wider than just sexual exploitation it's forced labor domestic servitude forced criminality it was the second one you said domestic domestic servitude which is so that would be and usually this this involves sort of foreign nationals that are uh, traveling here they will bring a a home help with them yeah or a, a nanny um, and that person isn't paid, right, okay. uh, forced to work all hours, yeah. not free to leave that situation. Um, so, I mean, the, you know, those sort of, uh, there's a consistency about it. Yeah. And if you say, what well, what is the consistency? Um, and the term we use in the UK is, is modern slavery. It's the umbrella yeah. term, uh, which covers trafficking, slavery, and servitude. The consistency is, it is about making money. Yeah. And it's about taking you mm you know if i was a trafficker looking at you it would be going oh look dodge mm. i can make money how do i make money i turn you into a commodity yep. i completely control you you're going to make me vast amounts of profit yep. and the chances of me getting caught globally 0.01 okay. right, okay. so why wouldn't i do it when cool. you can make me a quarter of a million a year yeah. tax-free
0: yeah wow welcome to my world Welcome. wow and that's what you're dealing with <laughs> Have you had any have you had any trouble yourself when you're actually dealing with these situations and actually you're going back to find out who are actually trafficking these women these sex slaves i guess is that the right terminology sex slaves or sex workers or we we term the the people that come to our services survivors Survivor, okay because
1: you know if you think of the horrors that they've been through yeah. you know you know whether it is raped or beaten up violent you know violently beaten up yeah. you know often we have to you know the the first people that our clients need to go and see a dentists, because you know some of them will have had their teeth smashed out with a hammer um or they need to go and see the medics because they will have had a broken bone which hasn't been set properly or you know they will um have an alcohol addiction just as a means of coping yeah. with the horrors to that, suppress that, that, the yeah. feelings yeah. and i think to help our listeners understand um i talked to a psychologist once and said okay what what happens to a human being when they realize they have no volition no freedom and they're nothing more than a commodity yeah and and they said it's catastrophic for the human psyche to be in that i mean it's the amount you know it's 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 not just despair it's despair on top of fright on top of fear on top of repercussions not just for myself but potentially for my family Family. and traffickers are really smart they'll go look here's my smartphone is that your mother look at the date yeah you step out of line yeah Now whether they they can do that or not it's still a threat threat in that whole process so we we call them survivors and Mm. ultimately we we just want to call them john and jane and uh, because they're people they don't want to you know be defined by their exploitation they they want to recover who they are.
0: Give me an example of how you would go and find someone who you want to be a survivor. We don't, and and
1: this um, this police officer was really clear, and actually it was one of the best pieces of advice I was given. He said, look, the, the policing's job is this. Yeah. This is the, the definition of what we do. Your job is this here, right next to it. Um, but let's make sure we don't cross cross boundaries. So in the UK, ninety six ninety seven percent of all victims are found by police or UK border force or the National Crime Agency.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's appropriate. It's not appropriate for a charity to go out and think you know we're the we're the seventh yeah. emergency service. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and there are, you know there are those that want that gung ho mentality. And I always get nervous when I I hear anti trafficking charities talking about rescue. Yeah because it's it, actually, that's not our job. Mm. Now, as Unseen has grown, we developed um, and have uh, and put in place the UK's Modern Slavery Helpline, which has been running for the last six years. So we get calls from members of the public going, I've seen something and I'm not quite sure whether it's, yeah. you know, whatever, through to, I know this is going on and here's the details in that mm. whole process. We get calls from victims. Yeah. I mean, you know, and often a call from victim will start with, I'm calling for my friend, Paul. Yeah. By call seven, I am Paul, yeah. and by call ten, I'm in a I'm in an awful situation. Can you get me out of it? And we we can work really closely with the police or another NGO in order to facilitate that mm-hmm. whole process. Or we get calls from businesses going, if we think we've got a problem with forced labor somewhere in our supply chains, or we've got concerns, um, and then we work with that business to you know both. First and foremost, protect the potential victims mm. and make sure that they're cared for. Again, liaising with, mm. with policing and then work with that business to mm. try and resolve the problems.
0: So are there police forces out there looking for exploiters? Yeah. There's, a, concept, there's actually a section of the police force saying we're constantly looking for this to actually nip this in the bud. So or,
1: modern slavery is on what's called the national threat um, assessment for the UK, which means that the UK government says as a whole, this is a major threat To the UK Um, and therefore every police force is tasked with looking at it now some police forces have dedicated units and and some of those units are are what we call multi-agency in that whole process and it's it's recognizing um, both the scale of the problem and just where there are opportunities for people to speak up and say I need help or where people go do you know what I think I've spotted the signs there you know that house where all the guys leave every morning at 5 a.m. in a white van, they disappear, they come back the next, the same day, you know, 10 o'clock at night, go in. No, None of them ever interact with their neighbors yeah. in that whole process, there just seems to be some person in control of them yeah. the whole time, they seem kowtowed, or the house that's been used as an illegal brothel, or the house that's used as a cannabis grow, um, or the car wash, or the nail bar, or the distribution center, or or, or, or the nail bar
0: what is in the, the the chinese nail bars
1: yeah
0: wow so this isn't this is going on in a high street i didn't even know there was a thing called modern day slavery i thought slavery was something from 100 odd years ago but like literally okay. how would you how would you break down how can you actually just break it down in simple terms how someone goes from eastern europe in through into our borders into our country and then get set up so
1: so now i'm going to shock you yeah So, last year, there were about 13,000 victims found in the UK. Found that are now survivors? Yeah.
0: Or people that reached out to you? Yeah, to us and
1: others. Okay. So, in the UK, we have what's called a national referral mechanism. So, 13,000 people were identified. 13,000. 13,000. The the experts, I would say, at any one time in the UK, there are at least 100,000 victims of slavery. If you look at children uk nationals are the most prevalent and if you look at adults uk nationals make up a third of all the victims uk nationals uk nationals so it isn't just people coming from eastern europe you know we have seen over a hundred different nationalities found as victims of exploitation in the uk and a third of that a third of them are british
0: you are joking me
1: no and globally the latest estimates and it's a conservative figure say that at least 50 million people are held in situations of slavery and we would say it's an illicit commodity trade that is worth about a half a trillion dollars profit per annum and the cost to the uk and this is home office figures if there's a hundred thousand victims what do you think the cost to the uk is
0: as a I, just as a complete guess a couple of million quid 35000000000
1: 35
0: billion. 30- Miles off, thirty-five billion yeah. cost to the UK. Why is it a co- why is it such a cost to the UK? So it's. Uh, I don't know where is... two million quid come from. By the way, but you, <laughs> you put me on the spot there, and I was like. <laughs> so the, the the
1: cabinet office have like the cost of everything, and so What's it, the, well, just roll back there a little bit. What's okay. the cabinet office? So the cabinet office is part of government. It, okay, it's the government department like if, it, if if you ever walk past 10 downing street yes. if you go past the black gates and, and you're walking up towards Trafalgar square yep. the next building you come to is called the cabinet office okay and it's it's the office of government that coordinates all the other different departments like department of health department yes. of education okay. it kind of sort of sets the, the umbrella the, for the help yeah okay but they do a cost of everything like w- what's the cost of um like if a child goes missing what's the you know the policing okay, costs yeah. social costs everything yeah. else um so the the cabinet office and the home office said for every victim we find, yeah. the cost to UK PLC is about three hundred and fifty thousand pounds, give or take. So if you've got a hundred thousand victims, three hundred fifty thousand,
0: that times that thirty-five, 35 billion. billion. Wow, I've, I'm, I'm really taken back by that stat there. That thirty percent of British. I, I want to. How, how's that? How's that working? How's that happening? Where's that coming from? Is there a main area in the UK that is prevalent f- for this? Is it up north, Midlands, down south, or is it everywhere? And where does it stem from? It's
1: everywhere. So it's in the big cities, it's in towns, it's in villages, it's in the fields. Um, so in, if we look at UK nationals in particular, um, large numbers of them are caught up in what we call forced labour. So, and there's been some sort of quite landmark cases in terms of, of, of UK nationals caught up in this. There was um, one, uh, there was a gentleman that had been in a situation of slavery for 13 years, Daryl Sinister, do you remember? He was found on a farm in South Wales. Mm. Oh, I saw something, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So he's a victim of modern slavery and, um, and he was a victim of forced labor. So he was forced to work on the farm. He slept in a caravan, a dilapidated caravan, Uh, outside his bath was an iron tub outside and and that was it and for 13 years he he lived like that how did he end up in that situation he was preyed upon so um he had uh i think some learning difficulties and mental health issues and he was offered a job and accommodation by this father and son, these these farmers um which is what he wanted uh you know because everyone wants to work everyone wants you know support um, the trap was sprung and for 13 years he just he had to work there so he wasn't getting paid a
0: penny not paid a penny Wh- how how did he allow that because look if you go back to the transatlantic
1: slave trade and, and we've all seen the prints haven't we and yeah. we've got a mental that's, image that's
0: my mental image is your that. mental image is yeah. that and
1: yeah
0: which is roughly what year what, what when when was that all the way up until about 1800 yeah and okay something yeah. um
1: but one of the mental images is people in chains. Yes. And so you could you could look and someone's in chains. You go, oh, okay, slave. Yeah. Those chains aren't there anymore. It's psychological chains, and that's how people are helped. Um, and it can be in, in, in numerous ways. So it could be things like debt bondage. So debt bondage. So what we mean by that is, um, I promise you a job. Yeah. So and the, often this is um, people coming to the UK. Mm. I promise you a job so I arrange your travel sort your visa out, and everything else you fly here you you've got the right visa yeah. you think you've got the job offer. you're in the country you think you're, you're in yeah I meet you the other side of immigration yeah. and say okay um, I just need to take your passport to check a few things yeah. and, and all of this get in the car that's the last you'll ever see of your passport you get taken to a house and then you're told I know we told you that the flight was 400 dollars and yep. the visa was a hundred dollars actually it's ten times that it's fit you and now it's fifty thousand dollars now you're in debt to us so you're in debt oh, so you've got to pay that okay. off and then you can never pay it off because then what they'll probably do is they'll hold you in that accommodation for two or three months Going, Oh, yeah well the job's not ready yet and everything yeah. else the debt's going up because your rent and your food and everything else in that whole process if you start complaining they'll beat you up threaten your family etc say so actually you're in breach of the terms of your visa, so actually we could just drop you on you know, into the police and they'd arrest you, you'd be deported, wow. ruin your life going back. So the hold is there, mm. even without having to to raise a finger. And then you're often inserted into the legitimate workforce. Um, and that that becomes very difficult for a business because it will go, well, I'm paying you my backs. Yeah, You've got a visa, you've got the permit and everything else. Um, I'm paying all the taxes that I should be doing. What i don't see is who's who's controlling the bank account yeah okay and they'll they'll use that bank account and they've smartened up they used to just empty it and then you know uh, we cottoned on to that now they just let the bank account run normally but they'll wash other funds through it the whole time you know from other criminal activity you Mm. know whether it's drugs or or, or whatever Mm. so it is about in every incident that we find a victim regardless of the type of exploitation it is fundamentally about making money at the expense of that individual and not allowing them the freedom to leave or to speak up against their treatment.
0: Is there a country around Europe that is exploiting more people than most and bringing them into our country? Exploitation is is everywhere. Mm. I mean,
1: the UK sees more victims than other countries in Europe, Mm. which I would say is a plus because actually I don't think the scale of exploitation across Europe is any different to here. I think we've just got better um at, at looking at it due to legislation due to better policing yeah. better understanding
0: of the issue So you saying we, we've reduced the numbers over the years no no
1: no um at best at absolute best we find one they get replaced uh, and why wouldn't you because it's such a lucrative trade yeah. um but i think things like uh covid things like the economic yeah. crisis that we're now yeah. facing is just making the situation worse yeah. and we've never got to a place where we say can we hand on heart say we're looking under the rock completely yeah. we're just lifting it up a bit and it's quite scary yeah. in in that whole process um and then i think until you know every police force could say yeah all of our officers know what modern slavery is know how it presents and know what to do about it, and we are proactively looking for it. Mm. We'll we'll never know the true scale because it's a hidden crime. Yeah, and and sometimes it's hidden in plain sight—car washes, nail bars, yeah. etc. And sometimes it's hidden,
0: really, Car really wash hidden. washes as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favourite one, and mm. this shows the ingenuity mm. of um, exploiters. It was uh, it was in Wiltshire, uh, and it was around uh, forced criminality. Stroke labor around a cannabis factory, yeah. and they'd taken over an old nuclear fallout site, <laughs> right underground. Yeah, they took the electricity off the grid. Yeah, to you know, uh, all the hydroponics, all the hydroponics yeah. funded like that. Yeah. You know and completely you know off-grid in that whole place and the only way that y- they've you know you can find those things is that you look along the grid and where you get suddenly drops Dip, yeah and all of that you go look all right yeah. where's <laughs> that going yeah. um, where's the weed yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but it was so far underground you couldn't smell it and, yeah. and all of that yeah. and, and why because it's a hugely lucrative trade mm. itself but but you had people that were forced locked in there forced to tend those those plants yeah. Um, I don't know whether you've ever been in a cannabis factory. No, I haven't. Yeah, um, it's pretty overwhelming. Mm. What the smell? The smell. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and so, just you know. Have you been in a cannabis factory? Yeah, many of them. No, but I've I've been in one. <coughs> and what does it look like? Just plants. Just plants, plants everywhere, everywhere, and hydroponic lights everywhere.
1: But then the wind windows are nailed shut. Yeah. Um, the doors are nailed shut. Mm. Um, in the really nasty, I haven't seen this, but in the really nasty ones, they'll wire the electrics into the door handles. So if you try and sort of pull
0: it, they'll, you know, you'll get a, what? You can't get out. Yeah. Imagine being trapped. Yeah. Like we're talking about everything you're mentioning is everyone is trapped. How would you get out of something like this? Say if you were a uh, in the sex trade, how does someone get out? How does a woman actually go? You know what? I've got to get out but I'm getting bullied, I'm getting beaten up, they're earning money out of me every minute of every day, they're treating me like I'm, I'm just a, a dog. How do they, what's the next step for them to actually get away, run away, they're going to have a lot of fear on them, to open themselves up to say, I really, really need help. But at the same time, knowing they're going to come to you for help, knowing that they could get killed or one of their family members could be threatened so first and foremost it takes a huge amount of courage Mm. which is why we call them survivors
1: Mm. i mean you if you think about the hell that you're living in and the fear that you're under for your own life to go i'm going to take that courageous step to run and to ask for help is huge so that's absolutely the critical yeah. first step I mean we did some some research around specifically around um, trafficking for sexual exploitation precisely that question how do people leave that mm. situation none of them leave when there's a police raid mm. they don't identify they're, they're terrified just keep dumb yep yeah okay don't engage yeah they leave sadly there are only two options they are kicked out when they are no longer what we call what they would uh, their explosives would say they're no longer economically viable yeah. so they just work to the point of then nobody else yeah. wants them and they literally are kicked out yeah in that whole process but the problem is they, have, they don't know where to turn they don't trust the police yeah. because you know imagine living day in day out where you can't trust anybody yeah. in that that whole process um, So, you know, often they then disappear into, you know, what we call the grey economy and and appear later, you know, that they turn up at a homeless shelter or they turn up at um, A&E or, or, and and thankfully, there'll be, hopefully, there's somebody trained that goes, oh, hang on a moment, this isn't normal. Alarm bells. Or they flee and they literally run for their lives. Um, Abroad? No, 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 some of them will run to a police station, some of them will run to just like a hospital or or a church or you know somewhere you know where they think I'm, I might be safe mm. and they have the courage to say this is what's happening to me um and you know what 15 years ago when I started unseen they probably wouldn't have been li- been believed yeah. but actually probably now they are being believed yeah. um and then they said okay look there is a program that you can enter that will give you the accommodation and the support and the care that you need whilst we assess your claim um, and and you know there are organizations like mine and, and many others that will say we'll we'll walk with you um, and often I say to, to my frontline workers look our job at its very best is to care for someone so that they can learn to walk again yeah. but they will walk again with a limp for the rest of their lives yeah. because of what they've gone through yeah
0: wow what's it been like for you since you set up the charity unseen what's your journey personally been like with growing the charity unseen to where it is today from when you started 15 years ago
1: i i have this firm belief about charities in that you should identify the problem that you're trying to fix and then your number one aim is to address that problem And then you should shut i we say one of our mission statements is you know we're working to to put ourselves out of business because actually if we're not then we've lost sight of the fact that slavery is horrible yeah it shouldn't exist in our world so actually we have to be focused on that but i have at least a 50 million (laughs) size problem in that whole process um, you have a what size problem a 50 million victim size right, problem okay and the whole globally, process is globally. Okay. yeah are you focusing on globally or are you focusing on uk uh both okay both because it's it's a local problem it's a national problem it's an international yeah. problem yeah. um you know like i said earlier 102 different nationalities yeah. have been have been found in the uk um so we, we have to accept it is you know that phrase global mm. um is the problem what's it been like um it's been crazy. I, I kinda describe it as do you remember when NASA retired the shuttle? Mm. Um, they found a couple of booster rockets and strapped them on either side of me and lit the fuse um and didn't give me an off switch. It mm. has literally felt, you know, just like that the whole time. It I mean, it went very fast, you know, from um opening the first safe house to, you know, suddenly being in the home office and the serious crime agency the old consultant in me came to the fore going, look, this, we're not winning, so how are we going to win on this? Um, and I then, um, I, I had a friend at a think tank in London called the Centre for Social Justice, and I started badgering them, said, yeah. look, this is the biggest social justice issue um, that you need to, to address. And it took two years to persuade them. And then in 2011, they said, would you come and chair a report for us? And so I spent two years, 18 months, two years, uh, the length and breadth of the UK, looking at how is the UK responding to modern slavery, and that's where we first started coining the phrase modern slavery yeah. to really help people understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, because if you talked about human trafficking, I mean, we we did a vox pop in Bristol once mm. about you know what was people's understanding of human trafficking, and I nearly caused a riot because they thought the mayor was going to pedestrianise the whole of the city centre. <laughs> but um, no, we're not talking about that. Um, so. We produced that report, and we came out with 80 recommendations, Um, and within eight weeks of that report, I was in the cabinet office um, with Theresa May and all the other members of the cabinet, where she said, based on this report that you've brought forth, we're now going to bring forth primary legislation, the Modern Slavery Act. And then I lost two years of my life to Westminster, sort of helping and supporting Uh, and ensuring that we got a a reasonable act in place and and so the modern slavery act came in to being in it was the very last act passed by the coalition government in Mm. 2015. Uh, that is seriously
0: powerful from you to bring in the modern day slavery act wasn't just me i know it wasn't just you but you're the driving force behind it that's that is really powerful created the momentum for it yeah and if it wasn't you doing that that might not be in place right now yeah massive respect thank you massive respect tell me about the respect you got after that was achieved
1: um i got a brown envelope one day in the post and i just i C- just cut fin- the grand <laughs> <laughs> uh, i had just uh, managed to get three points off my license for speeding yep. and and had also done speed school and i was clear and i got this and uh Ros, my wife said you've got another one <laughs> oh I'm yeah I was trying to think i've you know i've been trying to be good yeah and i opened it and it said uh you've been awarded an obe for, for your work in tackling modern slavery and now you can't tell anyone for six months um so you, you know you have to sit there sort of yeah. quietly and it, which was great i mean it's it, it's it's a huge honor to be recognized Huge honour recon- yeah um and so then i i got it from the queen at windsor castle so that's look it's an honor but it's also humbling mm. and it's also it's recognizing actually that it's a collaboration of people yeah. um, in that whole process um but back to what I said you know when I started unseen we we've got to work out how to turn the tap off and part yeah. of that is getting the legislation in place and in some ways that's the easy bit yeah the, the difficult bit is actually uh dealing with the structural issues that uh, allow slavery to happen so you know back to you know what's my job like my job increasingly is and this is why i wanted to come do this is talking to people to help them understand what the issue is what the problems are what we need to do to address those problems so that we build that momentum which and it was exactly the same with the with the transatlantic slave Mm -hmm. trade of people going i really don't want to live in a world yeah where people are exploited to that extent mm. can i ask you a question of course how many slaves work for you none can i ask you three other questions Go so I'll answer that question do you eat food yes you've got a smartphone yes and thankfully i can see that you're wearing clothes yes without doing anything you are probably personally connected to 40 to 60 slaves in the world Mm,
0: i've never thought of it like that
1: to the things that you just purchase yeah and if if we look around the world the vast majority of people are held in what we call situations of forced labor they're in the factories in the mines in the fields um you know either picking digging out the raw materials or making those materials that we consume and that's how you get to 40 to 60 people Mm. very very quickly and I think that has to jolt people into yeah. I didn't and it's back to like when I met that police officer I didn't know that this was going on yeah I, I mean I had a kind of like vague, vague recollection yeah, you know, yeah because there were movies etc yeah. and all yeah. that but you did not blood you, diamond was yeah, yeah and you kind of think okay yeah but but not here yeah um,
0: that's my that's my biggest shock of today is that that it's, is here yeah and I understand that there will be people from 102 different nationalities coming into the UK, but to hear that 30% are actually British. Yeah. That's really shocked me.
1: Yeah. And so, you I mean, UK national adults are always in the top five of, of nationalities found in children, number one. And, you know, with kids, it's, uh, and maybe people are kind of vaguely familiar with this, you know, the county lines.
0: Yeah. Phenomena. Yeah. So county lines breaking down, is that bigger drug dealers getting young kids to go and pass the drugs around yeah um but again it's
1: the deception yeah what what is it that young kids want they they want community they want to belong they want to be accepted in that whole process and they want things don't they i've got to have the night trainers and that and that and that so they will ply them both with acceptance and with gifts Mm. that's the deception pulling them in and then they go no, 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 they don't come free. Now you've got to do this yep. for me, um, and that could be drug running. Mm. Um, it could be, yeah, uh, you know, actually selling drugs, and all of that. So that yep. that's
0: the county lines thing. Mm. And, and is that is that is that being successful in the UK? The county lines because I'm constantly hearing about county lines, county lines, county lines. Is that have they got a really strong f- force homing in on that?
1: They, they have got focus on it. Yeah. The, the
0: police and, and the
1: government's given resourcing, but for every one you shut down, another one another opens one pops, up. Yeah, and it comes back to well, why does it pop up? And it, in essence, look, you're a business person. It's about sp- supply and demand. Supply and demand. Yeah. Why does modern slavery happen? Mm. It happens because there is a demand for cheap services, cheap labor, and cheap goods. Yeah, and there is a. Unlimited demand of vulnerable people. Yeah. And what makes someone vulnerable? It's if they don't have community, if they don't have a roof over their head, and yeah. they don't have work. Yeah. And so, if you can um, find those people and they are really easy to find, then you can prey on them really quick. Really. And the, the traffickers are really sophisticated. Add on to that, um, you know, we are currently having to deal with a war in Ukraine, yeah. which is put, you know, Women and girls women and children fleeing and we're, we're dealing with a climate emergency as well yeah. So even if we hit 1.5 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming yeah okay around that and we're yeah. about 1.4 at the yeah. moment yeah So even if we hit 1.5, about a third of the world's population is going to have to move because of climate change. Yeah. And once you are forced to move, it creates that vulnerability yes and so that 50 million figure invite me back here in in five years time 100
0: yeah so that could be doubled
1: yeah but let's bring it back to, to yeah you know, we've gone really global but bring it back to mm. the the personal so the 40 to 60.
0: Mm.
1: We, we have decisions about how and what we're going to con- consume and this is where I'm kind of like poacher term gamekeeper having worked in the retail trade um which is you know, often I hear businesses going, "Well, our customers are demanding cheap, especially in a cost of living crisis." Yeah, yeah. And I go, "Actually, I've worked in that business. Who educated whom about cheap? Yeah. And we've lost the value yeah. that we attach to things. So we live in such a disposable society. Whether it's fashion, the amount of food waste, you know, and just..." A demand yeah. you know we, we want everything at, at the cheapest mm. and, and we don't understand the consequences of that and the consequences are and i, I had the privilege of um going to india a few years ago um, with my old employer uh, and they took me to some of the factories and and they were good factories mm. you know looked after their work as well and everything else but my overriding impression coming out of that was and they were making shirts in this one oh. factory was i really appreciate what it takes now to make that shirt. i've oh
0: got a lot goes into is isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: And I, you know, I didn't see how that cotton was picked, yeah. how it was spun, how it was dyed. I was yeah. seeing the, the, the finishing product, product before yeah. it, you know, then gets yeah. in a container and, yeah. and comes to the UK. But even that final bit, you know, in a really good factory, it's hard yeah. work. Yeah. And so actually, you know, what I attach now to it. To wearing a shirt mm. is that memory yeah. of actually this is what it takes to to make yeah. that um and so you know how how am i going to
0: think about my purchasing yeah do you think about your purchasing now i yeah. see you're wearing a nice timberland jumper yeah before you paid 100 quid for that were you thinking where that's come from how many slaves would have worked on that slave labor
1: yeah and it's really really hard yeah. um and one of the things that that um unseen led on with the the modern slavery act was we pushed for what was called section 54 of the act which was called transparency in supply chains which said to businesses tell us what you're doing to ensure that there's no forced labor in your business practices um and it's a work in progress Mm. um and you know there's more legislation coming and it's something I'm currently working on at the moment with others to say okay you know hasn't got us to where we need to be mm. with businesses, we need more. So yeah, I don't know fully the provenance of, of how this jumper was made. Mm. Um, so I, you know I look at things like modern slavery statements. I look at the ethics of companies. Mm. Um, you know, I really admire companies like Patagonia that are committed yeah. to people and planet and you know how they
0: do those things how um, do you how do you look at that say if you're you you're your normal bod on the street what, yeah. would, what would you be looking out for is it the fair trade signs on obviously a fair trade signs on chocolate i've seen and yeah and d- different other things what, what would you be looking for in, in clothes the stuff that is the everyday do you know i think it's it's asking questions and okay. price isn't a guarantee yeah
1: of of something being good you know um because yeah, I've been in those factories, you know, where you see the designer labels and the supermarket label coming off the same production line yeah. in, in that whole process. I think that the starting point is ask mm. questions. Um you know, politely. Mm. Um and but it has an impact because if you if, if you go into a store and you say, Can I speak to the manager? you know, they think, Oh, you know, there's a, a ex- there's an, there's an excess. <laughs> ex- yeah. know about to be launched and and you know i've been on the other side you know can you come down to you know mr smith wants to you know fire a few rockets Mm. at you but if you go say look i really love your brand Mm. i I want to buy this product but can you tell me what you're doing in in order to show that that there's no forced labor there's no slavery Mm. associated with the making of that product they'll probably go uh And just say that look, that's fine. Yeah. I'll i I'm not gonna purchase now. I'll come back next week. If you can find if you can ring your home office and find Just out, Let me know. And, and and then let me know. Now if enough people do that, yeah, it goes up to head office. Guess what happens in head office? Yeah. Oh flip. Yeah,
0: we'll we've got to get on something. It. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that that's how consumers can be engaged. Mm. Um your yeah, consumers can be engaged by writing to their MPs. And and that's not terribly fashionable at the moment, but just saying, look, I've heard about this issue. I I personally, and for my kids and my community, I don't want to to live in a world that is associated with this. Can you please support the efforts of, you know, charities like Unseen and and others Mm. that are trying to, you know, take the legislation up to the next level so that companies are really honest. And then I work with, we work with companies all the time now, you know, some some of the big global companies, and we said, look, the issue is not whether you find it or not. Mm. You know, it's not if you find it, it's when you find it. Because it's there the whole time. And we would far rather, you know, we'll cheer you on if you find it, because yeah. it actually means that those people are getting out of that situation. Yeah. And then let's go in together and look at that situation and say, mm. how did this happen in the first place? How can we stop it? How can we take that learning and apply it around the globe to your business? And how can
0: we provide better mechanisms for workers to speak up? I want to go back to your safe houses. Yep. I want to go back to the traffickers bringing people in. Yeah. You're helping people. I put into the safe houses what's being done to fight to hunt down those traffickers um
1: it varies i think i I said earlier like the chances of getting caught globally are
0: like 0.01 percent yeah what about the chance of getting caught in in britain if you know that you've got four sex workers they're all bringing it back to these three guys who have brought them over is it in your hands or is out of your hands how close are you working with the police to make sure that those three get nicked or get brought to justice or do they just get flee away they bring three more new girls in and and the problem carries on
1: um great question slightly complicated answer so the usual criminal process happens in terms of uh, the police will have somebody in front of them and uh and they have to work with that individual who is terrified. Yeah. Um, so part of our job, our joint working with the police, is to help that individual get to a place where they feel safe yeah. and to explain to them, yes, it is still your choice as to whether you want to engage with policing or not, but we w- really would encourage you to. Many choose not to because they're in fear of their yeah. lives. And they may be safe, but they still don't know about yeah. their family. And you know, we have had incidents of um is actually physically threatening the family yep. of victims that are uh you know in our care yep. in our, so we have to be you know we we have to accept that not everybody will but for those that do have the courage they work with the police and then the police will you know, carry out investigation but they're complex yep. investigations these people are really good at covering their tracks um any whiff of somebody coming after them mm. they can flee the country mm. in a moment's notice they can get the money overseas um as well um, so that's one side of it, the other side of it is the helpline, you know, which is constantly gathering information and feeding that information into the relevant police forces, um, as well as National Crime Agency and Border Force, because it is about building an intelligence picture that enables the police to then execute a warrant
0: uh, and then uh, take those people to court. But that sounds quite long-winded. Yeah. From, from knowing the police and 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 understanding they've got there's not enough police out there for number one. Yeah. Two, there's too many crimes going on out there for them to do it, and the paperwork for them to actually do it. I'm sure, and I don't know the facts. I'm sure quite a high percentage of these track traffickers are getting away with this.
1: Yeah, they are. About ninety-eight
0: percent. Is that right? Yeah. Bloody hell. So give me give me some numbers. You reckon it's hundred thousand modern day slaves in the UK? Yeah, at any one time. At any one time. Thirty percent of them are British. Yeah. Roughly. And so that's hundred thousand. You're saying only two percent of the traffickers are caught and put to prison. Yeah, but remember it's not a one to one relationship. So a trafficker, Oh of course. Okay, yeah. he might have three or four or five or six or seven. Okay. But two percent is really low. Yeah. How can we get to the how can we get to the root cause of this? That's a great question.
1: Um I I think it it's a whole society response. Slavery happens because there's a demand for it, like I said earlier. So you and I have a responsibility. You know, we're not, um, you want your car washed. You go to that car wash, it's 15 quid for a full valet. Yeah. And there's eight people doing it. Well, they ain't getting paid mi- minimum wage, are yeah, they? No. In that whole process. And yet the queue on a Saturday morning it's is heaving. It's yeah. heaving. Yeah, So it's a, it is about p- our personal choices to start with. The second thing is, um, the more we look after victims, better yeah. that we, you know, the current political narrative is demonizing you know, uh, people. But if we look after them really well, then what we find is that they want to engage with policing because they're like you and me. They, mm-hmm. they have an inherent understanding of what justice is in that whole process. And even if they don't have enough evidence to give to the police, they can start building a a picture that helps the police find out more Mm. of of what's going on. Then actually, there needs to be more resourcing. Mm. So remember I said this is a trade that's worth half a trillion dollars profit per annum. Mm. We spent globally last year fighting this issue about 350 million pounds so it's an unfair fight now i'm not saying we need to spend half a trillion dollars but actually we need to resource we need more policing we actually need in every police force a dedicated unit because it's a complex climb Mm. that you have officers that really understand it know how to deal with it know how to work well with victims know how to work well with multi-agency teams we need members of the public to speak up when they see things Mm. you know to, to call our helpline Um, and and to report what's going on. We need our politicians to draft and uh, legislate better legislation in Mm. that whole process. We need businesses to say, we will root out forced labor in our Mm. supply chains. Unless it's that whole society effort, we need media like this podcast to go out and Mm. people listen to it so that they understand it is an enormous problem, but the solution actually involves each and every one of us. Mm. And I go back to the previous slave trade what tipped it you know politicians will tell you it was william wilberforce my reading of history is actually what tipped it was society said we don't want this and they said and back then it was about sugar we're going to stop buying sugar and it was that act um that brought the the business barons Mm to
0: accepting that it was over i can i totally get there but i can't see a way out here for everything you're describing here i think the 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 uh getting more media out there and saving and 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 what you guys are doing is uh helping these survivors it's absolutely amazing all of that i totally get yeah but i can't see the way out of getting these traffickers who are sharp and in hundreds of thousands of pounds per man no doubt maybe 200 grand, maybe a quarter of a million if they've got four or five girls, six girls, whatever it may be and they're taking the money. Yeah. There's no way, there's no way you can go and get them. We haven't got, we haven't got the police force to go and get them. They, they can slip out of the country very, very
1: quickly. But remember, it's about a supply and demand trade. So if the demand's
0: not there, that's how you crack it. And But do you it, think the demand will always be there?
1: what for cheap goods services and labor
0: yeah um possibly the oldest trade on the planet is prostitution Mm -hmm. people are gonna get their cars cleaned for 15 quid inside and outside and people will choose to buy a t-shirt that's three quid or a t-shirt that's 10 quid people will choose the three quid one okay and I'm not saying everyone there, no. but the more we can bring it out there like like this podcast out there and bring it out to say, just be aware, just to be aware. So I'm old enough and ugly
1: enough yeah. to remember when you couldn't get a
0: hand-car wash for 15 That's quid. That's right. It was 50 quid if you want it validated back yeah. in the... I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So... And you couldn't get a t-shirt for three quid that you can get in Primarni now or whatever it may be. Yeah. It just wasn't available. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when you know people say oh you haven't got you know I say yeah my job as chief executive of a charity is to actually put ourselves out of business and they go well you're not going to do that and I said that but actually that's not the right way to look at yeah, it you need because to. I have to I have to believe that there is possible for a world without slavery yeah and, and I passionately believe that mm. I may not be alive to see it but that's what we're pursuing mm. yeah and that's what other organizations like ours are pursuing so we then go back to, well, how do we address this fifteen pound car wash, yep. you know, car value versus what it what it used yep. to be? Well, part of that is legislation, part of that is educating the public, part of that is confronting people with the reality of the person that just washed and cleaned your car
0: is a slave. Yeah. Is that what See you that's want to pow- that's really powerful? Yeah. But how can we get to prove that they're a slave that we can actually start talking about this on social media and start spreading the word? And actually, go. You know what? Because I get my car cleaned once every month or two months. I go down there, and there's six or eight lads all around there. I have a laugh of them. Six or eight lads all cleaning, and I give them a little tip afterwards. And it hasn't mm. even crossed my mind. Yeah. It Has not even crossed my mind, Andrew, that they could yeah. be slaves. So next weekend, when you go and get your car washed, you'll be looking, and going,
1: "Oh, hang on. How comfortable am, am I with this? Yeah. That th- this
0: could be there. Yeah. This could be them. And now, and yeah, you know, William Wilberforce said, "Do you think this. I could go, Do you think I could go and ask them? I feel like now, and now you've brought this to my light, that I actually want to go and speak to the people at the car wash and I just have a chat with them, whether they speak up or not. I don't know. They're, they're unlikely to speak up. Yeah. Uh, victims
1: very rarely self-identify, but if you look at it and you go, okay, fifteen quid, eight people, doesn't add up. I bet only one person takes the payment. Yeah. Cash. Yeah. 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 Porter cabin.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, why are there sleeping bags in that porter yeah. cabin? call the helpline. Say, this car wash, I'm concerned about this, everything else.
0: So anyone listening out there who is actually seeing a, a nail bar, Yeah. and a nail bar out there is, obviously we don't get our nails done, but I certainly don't. I yep. don't know if you get yours done. Every day. <laughs> but a nail bar is, yep. uh, from what I've seen, is there are Asian ladies in there yep. banging out 40, 50 people nails each day. Yep. And you're saying that could be slavery? Could be. Not all. Mm. But, again go back to
1: the same thing as the car wash going to have a manicure used to cost about 80 quid
0: yeah yeah
1: it's
0: now tennis yeah yeah
1: and again y- you go in speak very little English if any English at all there's someone sitting in the corner there's a CCTV camera up, yeah. up the top they won't engage with you you know eye contact mm, e- everything down, else yeah. and even if you ask them you know non-engagement in that whole process, and I've been on police um, what we call problem profile visits you know where they go and visit sites where they suspect exploitation is taking place you know they, they won't say anything mm. but it's interesting they all have the same story about how they got there yeah. you, know, they, you know oh yeah this is my cousin and I yeah. came from London they said yeah. I had a job and, yeah. and everything else yeah you go to the next one oh yeah my cousin from London so yeah. it's, a, it's a you know it's a pre-learned storyline in that whole process and you know hundreds and thousands of people have been found, you know, in situations of forced labour. Mm-hmm.
0: um And we say enforced labour. Are you saying forced labour is work for nothing, or forced labour? You're on three quid an hour, or two quid an hour, one quid an hour. You might be paid
1: something, yeah, like, but not uh, your nine
0: quids, not your minimum wage of nine pound fifteen. Yeah, hours, and certainly there? not a living wage.
1: Yeah, the, the key differentiator, and it's kind of like exploitation is on a continuum yeah like you can be you know a bad pl- a bad employer and not pay minimum wage or not pay holiday pay or yeah. sick pay etc um and you you know you could and should be prosecuted for that yeah the, the it becomes forced labor where somebody is either not paid or paid a pittance and they're not free to leave that situation yeah like your employees here if they don't like you as a boss then go I'm off I'm gonna get another job I yeah. get more pay whatever and you go fair enough yeah in that whole process if you're a slave master they ain't living yeah they can't yeah
0: with the fear yeah what an awful what an awful position to be in i know it's obvious to say that but imagine being trapped by another human being who you don't know and there's no way out for you and there's no phone calls you can make this you've got the fear of yourself in the family. You've got a roof over your head, but you're earning no money. You've been told what to do. You're being used for sex or being violently beaten up. It's. That makes me. Like, I didn't know how this conversation was going to go.
1: How does it make you feel?
0: It makes me feel. It makes me feel sad, if I'm honest with you. It really does. And
1: I defy anybody to meet a survivor. And hear their their story, to not be moved, and to not go. This is wrong on every single level. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I have the privilege of leading an organisation that you know, currently at any one time we have two hundred clients in our service. So you got two hundred clients in in a
0: one of your houses.
1: No, no, cro- some in accommodation and some in what we okay. call
0: outreach. So, so outreach, you keep an eye on them and speak yeah. to them.
1: And, you know, the, the stories come up of, of what people have experienced. Um, and some of them, you know, I've met and talked. it must be harrowing. It, it is. It's both harrowing and it's also hopeful. Yeah. Because you see just how courageous they are and they're almost you know to quote iggy pop their lust for life yeah because actually they got hope. they've been denied yeah. life and 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 you know we we try and bring them safety hope and choice yeah. the, the three things was it been, safety hope, hope and
0: choice choice okay
1: three things that you're denied you know yeah. if you're not free to leave if you don't feel yeah. safe and, mm. and 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 hope for the future but we face a reality of people presenting with ptsd with horrendous physical ailments with STDs, with emotional trauma, with um, fear, fear for their family at home. You know, Sometimes, you know, you've been in a forced labor situation, you've been paid an absolute pittance, mm. and then you're sending that pittance home because yeah. that's actually why you, you came yeah. or you, you fell into the trap of, of wanting to work, and then you're not able to work in, in that whole process and it's it is appalling man's inhumanity to man Mm. because what gives the right to anybody to do that to a fellow human being and there is you know i can sort of almost dispassionately say you know a a trafficker and exploiter turns somebody into a commodity Mm. but that's devastating yeah it devastates that individual it devastates that family it's devastating ultimately to our economy to business to society and it's it's one of those horrible truths that we have to confront people with and you know and if if you know say well what's part of my job why am i doing this you know and i can see you there's a sort of creeping dread of reality washing over you because you didn't know and that's fine. But now that you do know you have two choices. And one is to say I don't want to live in that world mm. and I'm going to do everything that's within my power. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to start a charity. It doesn't mean you have to yeah. do that, but you can make choices. Or I'm going to choose to deliberately ignore that fact mm. and just carry on as if I mm. didn't know about mm. it. And I think modern slavery is one of those issues that you can't carry on. Mm. And you know, back to, you know, we're never going to deal with it, we, but we deal with it one person at a, at time, a time. And, a and we deal uh, yeah. with it one listener at a time. Yeah. And we deal with it one politician at a time until we build a momentum where society says, do you know what?
0: We're all, that's not yeah, acceptable. Yeah, it's a bit. Like, and that's what we need to get to.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. A bit, and, and people say, oh, you know, you're never going to do this within business, or you're never going to do it. Uh, the analogies I use are, are yeah, and they're clunky, but you know, sometimes when we legislate for things that you know, so we're not going to allow, um, say, forced labor goods to come into this country, uh, or leave this country. Uh, which is something that we're working on at the moment. Yeah, you know, and sometimes you get a pushback from business, you can't do that and everything else. Yeah. And they so, said, Yeah, but sometimes it's a bit like the legislation around a seatbelt. Yeah. You know, back um you know, back in the seventies, there was a huge campaign. It was an outrage that we would wear a seatbelt yeah. in a car. And look now. Look now. Everybody puts a seatbelt yeah. on and they go, Actually, I understand why. Yeah. You know, it can save my life, it keeps me safe, it's it's good for society, etc. Or look at smoking. Or mm. you know, it's a you know, it's an infringement of our civil liberties that we're yeah. not allowed to smoke. Everybody doesn't. Yeah. You know, if someone lights up in a in a hospital, you're like, what are
0: you doing? Yeah. I I was on a plane the other day and you see the still see the smoking signs. The old planes. Yeah. The old how ones. How did they, How did people <laughs> smoke on planes? I do not know.
1: Well, I've been on plane when people smoke. Yeah. It was horrible. No, I remember as a kid. Yeah, but You was, just yeah.
0: Yeah. They were down the back and you yeah. never went down the back. Right. It was like a fog. Is there a sum on a sex trafficker that you've caught to say, okay, well, I've had X amount of girls. I've been new I've been they've been earning a grand a night da, 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 and i'm taking all the money
1: one of the things that we got in the legislation was all of these crimes are what we call lifestyle crimes so when we catch the people we can take all of the assets and money yep. ill-gotten gains off them yep. um, which is which is a good thing difficult to do but Very it, difficult at least you got it. the yeah, legislation yeah. to do it i've seen figures somewhere between like 125 and 250 thousand pounds per individual Per, what, per trafficker per, per sex tra- trafficker yeah wow but back to it yeah. look you're a business person mm. what i'm telling you about are illicit traders yeah they'll look at your business and go how can i make money out of that business mm. how can i insert my commodity to yeah. make money either in your business or how can i put things in your sphere of influence and choice yeah. in order to make money a car wash a nail yeah. bar." Um, Anything else
0: we can throw out there so the listeners can hear? Because I'm hearing car wash factories,
1: now, but... uh, agricultural fields, distribution centres, logistics, restaurants, takeaways, uh, cleaning, care, right, okay.
0: facilities, security. So any of those construction. So any any of those, as a legit businessman, you you think you're paying them into their bank account because everything's in place, but actually the trafficker is actually taking the money from their mm-hmm. bank account. and we will never know yep here's one thing that you can know though and um that's that's unbelievable by the way no it's reality i know it is but that's actually unbelievable because you start thinking now (laughs) everywhere i go now i'm going to be thinking is that going into your bank account if you're clean you're maybe a cleaner from a foreign nationality or you are working in a field or you are whatever it may be a nail bar or care home worker Care home worker. yeah Andrew, this conversation has been really powerful. Really, really powerful. And I was really excited to get you on. Just before we finish here, tell me about the day that you met the queen to get your OBE. (laughs) Um,
1: Got up very early. Well, actually before, there's a bit before that. So, um, three kids wife plus me is five you only get four tickets no <laughs> five into four doesn't go no, no, yeah no. um thankfully my middle one is not a royalist so okay. <laughs> that <Yeah>. the problem <laughs> in that whole process then it was quite expensive because apparently everybody needed new clothes um to go and like do that um up early drove to windsor you go through security you know when, when we all watched the, the yeah. queen's funeral you drive up that yeah that, that big long drive that big long yep. um drive uh park the car you get out and then you're separated straight away you know so
0: what from the family
1: yeah okay and you go off uh i, I don't know where they went but we eventually found each other again um, after the ceremony uh and you're taken into quite a small space w- with everybody else that, that's been awarded and then you're separated again so mm. if you're getting a knighthood or a damehood um or a cbe you go into one room yeah. and then the obe's MBs, and uh I um, in another room and you're in a room with all of these people across a whole cross-section yeah. of society mm. and, and just talking you're given a glass of wine and just you know just sort of finding out why people were there and yeah you know, I ended up talking to a genetic a geneticist um, uh, uh, an actor uh, and someone from uh, business Mm. yeah It like it, it's a real brilliant cross-section of society and then you're you're taken out and you get um and at windsor they said the queen actually really prefers doing um the ceremonies at windsor that sent to buckingham palace she mm. she really loved windsor and you go down this very long hall um sort of side hall the main there's a main hall in the middle and there's a side hall that you go down um and, and you, you you're lined up in order it, I mean it's all it's very very slick Mm. lined up in order and then you're told okay when you get to the front you'll turn to the right and you'll be able to see into where the investiture is taking place um and when it's your turn you've got to walk it and walk on uh, on a diagonal to Mm. the the center point when you get there, turn bow then walk forward the queen will say a few words to you you remember what she said to you yeah Hang on, you're spo- you're spo- no, no, you're spo- no, I'm spo- excited. Spo- I'm <laughs> excited for this bit, the build up. <laughs> so, so you're watching that, and actually, you know, I don't get nervous in many situations, yeah. but actually, sort of the the, you know, people talk about when they've you know met the Queen. It yeah. was it was it was quite nerve wracking. I mean, it was sort of nerve wracking, sort of waiting and everything else, and and you're thinking, right, walk at a diagonal, turn, bow, walk forward, talk, shake hands, bow, walk backwards, yeah. and then walk at a diagonal yeah. to the other side and, and out. Yeah. So you like you like focused. Don't mug yeah. this up and everything else. and then the person in front of me went uh went up spoke to the queen shook hands and then turned around and walked away and as they were walking away you could just see on their face going oh crap <laughs> i've got this wrong and so i think you're doubly thinking i'm yeah, not doing yeah. that and then, and then they're in that quandary, like do i turn around yeah. and walk backwards yeah. or, play it cool and, play know, it cool <laughs> so they sort of gradually turned yeah. around bowed and then like skedaddle I, I went up i tell you this was remarkable so when was when did i get this 2015. um so what was that seven years ago mm. so she was 89. Mm. and you go up and yes she's got her aide who you know whispers something in her yeah. ear but i went up and she said thank you for all the work that you're doing to combat modern slavery. it's an awful oh, wow. awful issue um and i want to encourage you to keep going and and that was it powerful and you know, shook hands mm. remembered to bow more mm. backwards and, and leave but it struck me 89 years old yeah. switched on yeah
0: to everyone coming in, everyone yeah. coming in yeah
1: you know and you know there's there's a good few people there um and just having that now i know she's done it year in year out matter, and, and, and everything yeah. else but it, it was just Too professional you just go yeah good on you yeah respect yeah, for that
0: yeah andrew loved this absolutely loved it and anyone listening out there i hope we can all learn a lot from all the things you mentioned out there before we finish up where do you where can people find you and if people want to donate how can they donate
1: um so you can find us on the web at unseenuk.org. there's a big donate button just yep. press it and
0: whack some money in
1: Yep. yep yeah the more noughts the merrier yep. um in that whole process or you know I'll become a regular giver in that whole process and we'll keep you up to date with everything yeah. that we're doing um, you can find me on social media I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn yeah. um, so on Twitter at Andy W1 yeah. um, uh, and on LinkedIn just look look for Andrew yeah. and, and you'll find me there and, and yeah give us a follow and learn, keep learning more
0: brilliant Andy I've really really enjoyed this mate I thank you for uh, your time and effort coming down here no absolute pleasure great yeah. to talk to you you're a gentleman good man Cheers, cheers, Andy. cheers mate